0: From Relay FM, this is connected episode 106. Today's show is brought to you by Eero, Pingdom, and Fresh Books. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Federico Vettici. Ciao, Federico. Ciao, Mike. And Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen Hackett. Hello, Michael Hurley. Should have said howdy. I should yeah. have said howdy. I messed up. Should I just start all <laughs> over again from Relay? Should I just do that again? Is that good? No, no. no. Is that no. how that no. works? No? No. We're just going to push through, right? I'm just going to go right to follow-up.
1: Follow-up. (laughs) Follow-up. So we we had uh, a couple people tweet. We will give credit to uh, Jonathan on Twitter talking about Apple Music and how you have to be an Apple Music subscriber uh, to get access to it. Um, And it also seems like festival video streams will also be available only to Apple Music members. So in the past, you could download... Like and they had an iPad app or you get it from iTunes even way way back and watch concerts, and it seems like even that is gonna be locked into the Apple music ecosystem this year. Which is a you know eh. I mean, this not is great.
0: obvious to me. Like as soon as right. I saw the tickets go out, like obviously they're gonna put it behind the, the wall.
1: See, so yeah, I I'm I was a little surprised by it, but um I guess I guess I was not being as cynical as the two of you. I still, I'm not being cynical. I'm just like... I mean, I'm not going to pay for Apple Music to see him, so I'm not going to see him, which is a little bit of a bummer. Would what? you have watched them? Do you? <laughs> uh, if there's someone that I uh, want to see, then yes.
2: All right. I don't know what, why. I, I found that question funny. <laughs> I don't know why.
0: Well, I don't know. Like, Do they have any of your old man music? Or like... <laughs> hmm.
2: <laughs> hmm. <laughs>
1: Up next... <laughs> I wanted to point people to a article by our friend Jason Snell over at IMore. Um, he wrote his column this month about the age of dramatic Apple event reveals being over. Or something we talked about, maybe even in the prompt days, way far back, about how you know going into these events, there's not as many surprises as there used to be, thanks to supply chain links and Mark Carmen doing whatever it is he does. <laughs> um, as, uh, we're going to talk about the event uh, here in a couple minutes, but I, I wanted to highlight that. Uh, I think it's a nice article, and I think that it's, you know, it is different than it used to be. And, and Jason argues that that's uh, that's okay. So I think, yeah, I think I agree.
0: I think it is okay. I agree with that. It's sad, uh, but at least you know. <laughs> i'm happy that i had a time where that was a thing right where it was like what's it gonna be but now there is kind of just a different enjoyment in knowing because we have all of the stuff to talk about and think about in the run-up yes you know it's it's
1: just a different thing you can prepare your credit card
2: i'd argue that we're not getting surprises for hardware anymore but we're still getting surprises for software i mean look at wwdc And how nobody knew what iOS 10 and Sierra, I mean, you know, the new iOS 10 at the time were going to be like. So we're Mm -hmm. getting surprises in a different way, maybe at the developer conference, because that's what Apple can control more. We're not getting surprises in September anymore. And also like Mike, I'm glad that I got to experience that when, you know, the music event when it used to be in September and people were like uh, talking about the new iPhone, the new iPods a few years ago. Now we're kind of... Doing that in a different way for software because we don't know. I mean, what's the new Apple Music redesign gonna be like? What's you know what's coming to iOS? What's coming to iOS for iPad? <laughs> you know, joke there. Uh, but uh, so yeah, it's different, I guess. I
1: wanted to mention that I am still using To Do for my task management. We spoke about this on our membership show, and something an uh, app that Federico you covered extensively on Mac Stories a while back, and uh, you're using To Doist again. People can go if if you haven't heard it, you should go listen to the Canvas episodes. Um, y'all have done, what, three of them now on GTD apps? Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll link to those in the show notes. They're all really good. One on OmniFocus, one on Todoist, the latest one on Todo, uh Ben Brooks set in for you. And uh, it's a great little series, so if you are looking for an iOS kind of GTD uh, system, you should definitely check out those three episodes. Really in, uh, informative and and helpful if you're trying to pick. Or if you're like me and you bounce around, but... Uh, still using to do, still really happy with it. And I uh, just wanted to follow up on that. So
0: I'm surprised. I, I kind of at the time, I think, was saying that I thought that you were going to
1: switch away, but you're still there.
2: Yeah, I was ready with the, with the remember to milk joke, but no. Okay.
1: <laughs> uh, they do have a big redesign that I played with, but it's just, I, I just need a little bit more. Uh, also, having the cow on my home screen means I have to change it out anytime I do a screenshot to avoid being made fun of. And that just felt like a lot of work. To be honest. Uh, lastly, I want to talk a little bit about something that came up on episode 105 last week, uh, which spoke about privacy and online services, talking about the security trade offs that come with some of these services. So, some services can turn over data to the government. And when I say the government, I'm talking about the US government. Uh, if compelled, others encrypt the data in a way uh, which makes that impossible. For a while, Apple was somewhere in between, where some stuff they could turn over, like some iCloud backup data, but then things like iMessage were encrypted end to end. And I think Apple is moving more towards that model. Um, and we got a bunch of feedback, we got a bunch of email, and people on Twitter talking uh, about a comment that we made, and I, and I wanted to clarify it a little bit. I know this is going to lead to more feedback, and that's fine. Um, but the idea that you know we quote have nothing to hide, and I can't do anything about it. So why worry about it? Um, in saying that, n- none of us—I don't think—like um, are okay that the U.S. government can like go into our iCloud backups, right? Like none of us think that's cool. None of us are really excited about that. But it is a—but um, it's a trade-off that we accept because we want to use a service like iCloud backup. Um, and most people threw around this Edward Snowden quote, saying, arguing that you have. Nothing to hide, or that you don't care about the right to privacy, is like saying you don't care about freedom of speech because you have nothing to say. Like we understand that, and I think all we were saying we weren't we weren't speaking to that reality or speaking to that like political environment. We we're just talking about um, we understand that it's a reality, and that the and that we accept certain trade offs for the utility that certain services offer. It wasn't a judgment call on the state of the world or one particular service or another or the service that you're really in love with that we don't use. Like all of that aside, like we're just saying, you know, with anything you use online, there are trade-offs and that you should be aware of them. Um, and I would add, um, you know, we had that Dropbox link in the show notes last week. You know, all these companies have information on their website about that saying who has access to what sort of things. And You know, anytime uh, the U.S. government can have access to something, that means that employees of that company have to facilitate that. So, yes, it means that Dropbox employees, you know, could, if if compelled by the U.S. government, go into my Dropbox account and look at my documents. Um, And, yes, it does mean that if some, like, crazy rogue Dropbox employee with that very specific power wanted to abuse it, that they could. Um, But I trust Dropbox is having policies in place to avoid that sort of thing. So I just want to clarify that. Um, uh, I, I feel, I felt a little misunderstood and a little frustrated after last week's episode. So anyways, we can move on for privacy, but um, but yeah, I just wanted to get that out there.
0: Apple have announced an event for next week. Uh, it is the event that we expected, the September event. There kind of isn't much to say. We'll be covering the, uh, the event next week, probably on Thursday. So the day after once all the little, tidbits have come out of what is announced i guess we're definitely expecting the phone uh most likely expecting the watch and maybe expecting some mac stuff uh but there was something i wanted to point out which really made me giggle. federico (laughs) was being stupid with the criminology stuff and drew a box around two of the little (laughs) lights that are shown in the in the like the blurred kind of bouquet or however you call it blurring of the image he drew a little box around them and said it's a dual camera confirmed because of these two little <laughs> yeah. white dots next to each other and then the daily mail <laughs> printed this in their on one of their columns saying that apple watchers say this is part of the invite that reveals what appears to be the much rumored double camera lens so the daily mail is taking federico's dumb uh, jokes and printing I, them as fact
2: man that didn't even give me credit
0: yeah <laughs> how did you find it
2: well, how did I find well uh some uh, a reader I think um sent me a link to the Daily Mail saying uh they got your joke uh, but they didn't credit you uh, I mean it was, it was really stupid I literally looked at the invite and and I drew a little box in, in you know with the I mean it
0: is kind of perfect because they're the same color and they're perfectly aligned right <laughs> yeah
2: and me, actually I got a few people uh messaging me privately Uh, Because I assume that you don't want to go on the record and saying, actually, I think it makes sense. I think it is a hint to the dual camera. And maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I was just being silly. I
0: look at it and I'm like,
2: I know it's stupid,
1: but it it is right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They're the only two that are like perfectly aligned. They're the same. I don't know. It is dumb. It's criminology stuff. Yes. Uh, And it was funny that you made a joke about that, Uh, which ended up
2: being a thing. I thought the joke was obvious in its nature of being a joke because I used the hashtag analyst at the end. I mean, who's... No, man, That, that
1: means you're serious.
2: No, can you... Can you name anyone who's serious about being an analyst who tags his own tweets with analysts? I All bet of there
0: them. are many. All yeah, of them. <laughs> <laughs> Every Seriously, single one of them. Yeah. No, no, um, come on. That's that's
1: it's the type of people that put hashtag leadership in their Twitter bio. No, oh, come on. And, and what what I like to think about in these stories are the graphic designers who do these sort of invites, and that you know if they just like these things go out and they just watch Twitter to like see what people read into them because i mean the older i get the more i find this whole scene just really tiring but it's like uh, the, I, I just imagine these graphic designers maybe they have like some sort of like betting pool or maybe they have like a draft where it's like these are all the things people will read into this and then someone <laughs> someone like federico comes in and and blows it all out of the water and i think those designers just go home and drink the day after their invite gets sent out to the world
0: oh my gosh the best thing in the world has just happened um, i went to twitter.com uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I searched the word analyst. No. Mm-hmm. The no, top didn't. tweet No, no, yes. analyst is Federico. <laughs> 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 oh and I even opened it in an incognito window just to check that it's not applying my timeline bias. Hold on. Oh the my God, that's true. The tweet right now for the word analyst is Federico. That's really good. That is amazing. Oh, teacher, you are an analyst now. Congratulations. I guess I made it. You've made it. You've done it.
2: uh, My new line of work has been an analyst of event invitations.
0: Pack it up. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, screw my stories and everything else. I'm going to be an analyst now. Analyst Done with the review. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, well done. I'm patting myself on the back with this. Good job. Yeah. Thank you. We're very proud of you. This week's episode
0: is brought to you by FreshBooks, the company on a mission to save time and avoid the stress that comes with running their businesses. Tomorrow is the end of the month. It is the end of August which means I'm going to be spending some time tomorrow sitting down and sending out some invoices. I have a busy day tomorrow. I have many tasks. One of the tasks is to send those invoices. But of all of the tasks that are on my list, I know that this is one that is going to cause me some of the least frustration is going to take some of the least time because FreshBooks makes it so easy for me to send the invoices that I need. It takes just 30 seconds to create one. You can put your branding on them as well so it looks great when it arrives at your client. There's so many ways for them to pay you. You can in- you can integrate a ton of different payment methods of FreshBooks. And it's why people that use FreshBooks get paid five days faster. You can track when somebody's seen your invoice so you can see how far it's moving through their system. So you don't need to bug them. You know if they've seen it or not. And you can even set up automatic late payment reminders too. So you can send those out. But also what I like, we don't do automatic stuff, but we can go in and very, very easily we can see exactly what's outstanding, how many days it's been outstanding. It's super, super simple for us to get that information because it's all straight there on FreshBooks's page when we log in. They have tons of third-party integrations. They have amazing support. If you give FreshBooks a call, their phones will ring. Someone's going to pick it up. If all the support team are busy, if they're dealing with clients, those phones... But everybody in the company will start ringing until somebody answers for you. They care about it that much. Everyone in the company is there to deal with your problem if you need it. Don't talk to everyone because it would take a long time. Just talk to one person and they'll be able to fix you. Getting started on FreshBooks is extremely simple. You don't have to be a numbers person. They're offering a 30-day free trial, so you can go check it out for yourself. No credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash connected. And enter Connected in the How You Heard About Us section so they know that you came from us and to get your 30 days of unrestricted use. Once again, that's FreshBooks.com Connected. Thank you so much for FreshBooks for sponsoring this show, supporting Relay FM, and for making my invoicing a breeze. All right, so uh, Apple have acquired a health data company called Glimpse. And it's Glimpse with two eyes because Web 3.0, I guess. (laughs) Um, And they were a company that could help individuals get access to their medical records. So this is, I think it's US focused. But so this was basically a way to bring all of your stuff together. I think there are digital forms for medical records in the US, from what I can understand. But they're in a bunch of different Formats, and it's really hard to kind of bring them all together in a way that you can view them. But that is their idea. So, you bring all of your medical information together, it lets you look at it, you can build on it, you can personalize and customize it, and share it with people, and use that data in interesting ways to kind of build a better picture about your health. So, Apple have acquired this company, it's obvious why they've acquired this company. And I wonder, just is this a good thing, Stephen? Is this the type of stuff that you want to have access to, and do you want Apple to be the company that has the access?
1: Um, I, I do want access to this sort of thing. So I'm by no means an expert in this field, but my understanding, a little bit, is that the medical health record system is really fragmented in the U.S. And basically, you have some standards, but all these hospitals and doctors' offices either go, like, purchase or sometimes build internally their own system to access that data. And so you have stuff kind of all over the place, and just because it's at one hospital and maybe you visited another doctor's office that is not part of the same system, they don't necessarily know about each other, um, it would be nice to have one central repository for all of that. And so I could go in to a doctor's office or, you know, God forbid, take him to the hospital for something, and... You know, I hand my iPhone or or something to the nurse or the doctor, and you know they have you know some way to access everything that I have uh, about me from one central place, and so they they're not reliant on you know finding out who my physician is and going to their office and getting their records and hoping that they're open. Like, all that would be really nice if we're all central. I think it would be. I think it'd be great.
0: And then I guess you know the idea is you could take these records that come from medical assessments. And use them to help build a better picture of your health, so you're able to do different things, right? So, right, like you, you can could be build proactive that data. That yeah, stuff. exactly. You could build that data in to your workouts. You could build that data into your diet. It is an interesting idea, and I have to say, like, if my data was going to be held by a company, I would want that company to be Apple. Yeah. Like my medical records, if I was going to give somebody access to that, they're the company that I would want to have it.
1: Yeah, it's um. Yeah, I agree. You know, they've done a good job with the health app and and you know, there's are some some frustrations around it like you know, if you got to do a restore on your phone, do you lose your activity rings? I mean, there's all that stuff to worry about that they just need to work through. But I think that they're that they're proving that they can be trusted with this sort of data and you know, they would need to work through some of that. I would think at some point something like this would need to have a server-side component. I don't know if it could be all on device. Um it's almost too important just to be on device. Like if my phone gets it, you know, gets destroyed in a, in an accident and and I'm in that accident, like I'm in a car crash, my phone gets destroyed. um, And my wife needs something, you know, out of that record. It was only on my phone. Is she kind of stuck Does she need to like restore her phone to my iCloud backup to get it. Like there's lots of edge cases there that are worth talking about and thinking through. But I think overall, this is a, a promising idea and I think it's one that, you know, in these Tim Cook interviews and stuff, like this fits in with what they're doing, right? That you could see Apple moving towards a system uh, that would support this sort of stuff where you could import your medical records from your doctor's office and, and have it all available to you. Um, and, and I really like the proactive thought, like you said, you know, if if something in that medical record says, oh, you know, my cholesterol is a little high and, and then maybe that gets, that becomes a factor in like the goals, the watch sets for me, like... All sorts of interesting things could come out of it, and um, I think it would be it'd be really nice because I mean, the the truth is that a lot of people don't have a full picture of their health. Um, a lot of people, uh, I forget the percentage. I, I used to know it, but it's it's crazy high of pe- percentage of like prescriptions that aren't followed through on properly. So like if you're supposed to take medication over seven days, people stop at three days because they're trying to feel better. Um, Even that sort of thing, right, that if if your watch knew about your prescriptions and it could remind you or your phone could give you notification of like, hey, you need to take your medication at this time. Um, All that is like really enriching. And so I'm I'm in favor of this sort of modernization of medical records. What do you think, Federico?
2: I mean, it's great if Apple wants to do it. You know, it makes total sense to have a company that, you know, especially when it comes to this health stuff, they have such huge respect for user privacy and security. I think it makes total sense to, uh, now I'm speaking from my experience in Italy. Um, but the, everything is so fragmented you know yeah. uh when you go to one hospital and you gotta share data with another hospital and then when you when you switch doctors there's a bunch of paperwork and it would be great if there was a if there was a system you know like a unified system that all that's always with you and uh, that you can share directly with your physician and with different institutions. Uh, it's a tall order for Apple yes. to to do this because it's a mess. Like from a bureaucratic point of view, it's a mess, and I cannot even imagine when you not even when you do it for a single country, but when you do it for multiple countries in different continents uh, with different regulations, it's it's you know it's gonna take years. But if this this is the kind of route that Apple wants to go down, I think it makes total sense to have that kind of integration with the Apple Watch, uh, with the iPhone. And maybe even with iCloud, we don't know. Uh, but I, I think there's, a, you know, when you bring together all of these different pieces, the Apple Watch being, you know, uh, an accessory that's always on you, that can monitor your heart, and maybe in the future even more data because of more sensors that can push you to exercise and then you collect that data on the iPhone and then on the iPhone you also have medical data and you have things like medical ID for example you know in case of an emergency and you can share you know this data with, with, with your doctor and you can have reports you can have statistics over time and you never lose that data I think that's powerful and that's you know uh we talk about technology as, you know, oh my God, this is a beautiful markdown text editor. So we talk about, you know, <laughs> pro- productivity stuff, but this is the stuff that really has an impact on people. You know, personal yeah. health, personal well-being. I think if Apple wants to do this, it's got my total support and I think it's awesome. Also difficult, but, well, you know, I think it, if, if one company can do it, that's Apple.
0: You know this would be one of those things that they announce and then me and you are just like super sad for like two years <laughs> because we don't get it you know
1: US only yeah the yeah. um you know uh with our our son his long term care at St Jude mm-hmm. you know that's all at one hospital sometimes a second hospital but they talk really well but even there where his whole history of his cancer treatment is in, under one roof my wife and I still keep a detailed document shared document between us with all of his history and his medication because even within the one institution uh, sometimes that stuff comes up, and it's like you you have it all. Like, why why are you asking me for his history? You you know literally all
0: of it. It always horrifies me if I go for a hospital checkup or something and see like stacks of paperwork and folders. And it's yeah. like, why why is it like yeah. that?
1: Yeah, and so I mean, even even there, you know, we have a shared document that we update and keep his medication in, and 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 all of that stuff. So having having all that in a in a way that doesn't <laughs> involve a Google Doc would be would be nice. So as of the
0: time that we record today, which is on the 30th of August 2016, just before we began the episode, the European Commission, who have been investigating what they say to be uh, alleged tax issues with Apple and Ireland, has made a ruling. Um, and Their ruling is that Apple owes 13 billion euros to the Irish government and therefore kind of the European Union in a way, for what they call illegal tax breaks that the Irish government gave to Apple. Now, this is extremely complicated, and a lot of this stuff is way over my pay grade of understanding, but I'm going to try and do my best to explain what I can see is happening here. So Ireland is known for maybe in like about 20, 30 years ago, and since then, has been setting up their corporate tax legislation in such a way that it is very enticing for companies to set up offices there. So Apple did this, That, like many companies have done this over time set up offices in Ireland. It helped boost the Irish economy and really has kind of pulled them out of some really sticky situations. If a lot of these companies weren't in Ireland, Ireland like there's a lot of tech companies in Ireland, there's a lot of companies in Ireland. A Dropbox have their offices in Ireland for the same kind of reason, I believe. It, it's, it, there's a lot of great talent there and it's bolstered by the fact that it's really good for companies from a financial perspective to, to run there and it, it is really helping the Irish economy. Now, the European Commission is saying and is claiming that the Irish government has given Apple, like, extra uh, breaks, which the Irish government and Apple are saying didn't happen. (laughs) And the Irish government is saying they don't want this money. Like, they don't want Apple to pay them this $13 But the European Commission is insisting that they should because the tax wasn't set up correctly. They won't be in charge correctly. And this is back taxes, and they want interest on that as well to be paid. There is a open letter on Apple.com in all of the European uh, websites today. So if you're in Europe, you can see this. It's from Tim Cook, and he's explaining kind of The fact that Apple have put a lot of time and money into Ireland and they've put a lot of people there and because of their Irish base, they employ 1.5 million people across all of Europe and they are saying that the European Commission is wrong and that this is kind of crazy stuff and it's going to have... Wide-reaching effects, and uh, Tim Cook has mentioned again how like, they're the biggest taxpayer in the US, they're the biggest taxpayer in Europe, they're the biggest taxpayer in the world. They keep kind of going on that, and he throws in again about the idea of there being more tax reform and that there needs to be tax reform so money can move more freely around different companies. So this is a horrible mess. And the thing that I find just the most interesting is like, Europe is getting involved in this and is passing a law down, which to Ireland to say this company owes you money, but the Irish government and Apple are both going to appeal the decision. Mm-hmm. It's very weird. It, again, like not to get too political, but this is the type of stuff that made people want to leave the European Union. <laughs> right? right. These types <laughs> of rules is that like the European Commission, because Ireland is part of the uh, part of the EU, is telling Ireland how to run their country. And this is kind of a, in a way, I guess the kind of the way it works because they're all one big thing. But it's it's just really sticky, and I know that there are a bunch of holes in the stuff that I'm talking about because I don't understand tax law completely, but that's kind of the gist of it as I mm-hmm. understand it, that there were tax breaks for everyone. They're, I guess, being changed, and the European Commission is saying that Apple got extra special ones, and everybody's saying right.
1: that. Yeah, what I find really interesting in Cook's letter is that he he really leans into the fact that this is – a very old setup. I mean, he opens the letter 36 years ago, and there's a picture of, like, 1980 bearded Steve Jobs mm-hmm. looking at a workbench of people working. And um, it's in black and white. Yeah, which they had color photos then, but uh, you ran it through your Instagram filter to make it look old. Um, he he is, is trying to build the case that, you know, this is... Um, if there was something fishy going on here, like... Uh, this has been said for so long that that would have come to light right and and he is reiterating that we uh, apple has done everything that is supposed to do and that this is some sort of like um uh you know reaching back into history and saying oh no you should have done it differently and we're going to hold you to a standard that wasn't set way back then um and you know that's uh that's a a little weird and it's um you know no no doubt it's it's a lot of money no doubt apple could you know if it comes to it apple's got the money but i think for apple it's more about the statement that it makes that's the principle yeah we were in an agreement and it's not like it would be different if the if uh the government of ireland and apple disagreed on it right if ireland was suddenly saying no you're right the you know the european um uh these these new laws the statement coming down is true, Apple, you do owe us money. But but they're not saying that. They're in agreement. And that's really what uh, makes it so so strange.
2: Now, I don't understand a lot about taxes, but I also kind of understand the position that this is, can be wrong in the sense that let's assume that I'm friends with the Italian prime minister. And like, we're personally friends. And we're talking over dinner. And, and he goes like, look, you want to bring in more Maxori's employees in Italy? I'm going to give you a discount on taxes. And we agree on that, but it's not really permitted by law, and so even if we have an agreement, um, because we're friends, because I'm bringing jobs, I cannot really get a discount on taxes because it's you know everyone pays the same taxes. So I don't understand now. Well, again, but this
0: is what the European Commission is saying has happened, right? Like right. they are saying that this is what has occurred. Right. Which is there was
2: an illegal state aid to yeah. Apple. So I kind of, if that's true. It kind of makes sense, because I get it that you had an agreement, but that agreement is not permitted by law. If that uh, is, in fact, if true. If that is the truth, yes. Right?
0: Because both Apple and the Irish government are saying that isn't true. Which is, I look at these things and I'm like, man. Man, like, that's... <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're saying it, and <laughs> if you're if you're being truthful here, great, but, man, if there's, like, just one little thing, you're in trouble. Uh, I... I don't you know, I look at these things and I'm like, I tell you my my feeling about this is right. Like, this is clearly uncovered the fact that the system is broken, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is something wrong with the system. Maybe it's not to the tune of thirteen billion dollars or euros, I should say, but there is something obviously that people aren't happy with. Apple aren't happy with tax, the European Commission aren't happy with tax. I feel like what this should do, these types of things should spark change. Going backwards and, and changing stuff isn't right. Like if the Irish government was saying Apple owed them this money and the European Commission was saying Apple owed them this money, I think I would feel differently about this and say, Apple maybe you should pay this money. Like if everyone's saying you owe this. But the fact that the Irish government is saying that it's not owed and it's thirteen billion euros, that would really help Ireland. Uh, that that's where I'm kind of like maybe Yeah, but
2: you mean I mean there there have, there could be so many reasons why the Irish government doesn't want money. Now let's assume the worst case scenario and that the you know the, the Irish government is corrupted and they're taking bribes from Apple not to yep. get the money. Yep. And they're saying no 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 we don't want the money it's cool it's cool but then another government in 10 years says look we should have got the money.
0: Yeah, no, I'm right? I'm trying to be like paint the perfect picture, right? With this, yeah. kind of just be like, if this is the case, then maybe we should change tax law going forward, right? Like that this is clearly highlighted an issue. But you're right, it could be someone's getting bribed, or the Irish government really don't want Apple to leave because of how much money they do make from them,
2: right? Yeah,
0: right. And And I feel like that's why the Irish government is going to bat for Apple anyway. Not that I'm saying it's illicit, but I feel like that's why they're going to bat for them because they want that relationship to to
1: remain and And, like Cook says in his article a it's a it's a lot of jobs but but b if if this is upheld, then it opens the door for like lots of other companies in Ireland and across Europe to be at risk of the same thing right so if if apple pays this or if it moves forward then they could say the same thing to facebook or dropbox or microsoft or any of these other companies yeah. that are in ireland and across europe saying hey we know when you moved here this wasn't the law but we're going to retroactively tax you uh, for things in the past and that that That's is tricky. a um it's a slippery slope and it's because I mean, they
0: probably never would have moved there
1: right yeah yeah and and when it's time to expand, that's not where they're going to expand. And if it's time to move people around, you know where they're going to pull out of. Um, yes, it's a lot of money into their coffers, but the the risk on the side of of the European Commission is is startingly high, and something that you know could have drastic effects. I mean, if, if Apple pulls out, it's someone in the chat room said six thousand jobs in Cork alone. Um, that's a bunch of people out of work, and and you know they are those. Those employees are caught in between uh, the the company and the country and the commission, and that's that's terrible. I hope
0: that like whatever this is, or however this resolves, like it just works out right. Like if Apple do owe this money, then they should pay it. But if they don't owe it, like I hope that it just gets fixed because this is clearly like Apple has a lot of spotlight on it right now on them right now about tax stuff. This is like clearly a big thing for Tim. And, and his administration now, like, everyone is just caring about how much tax money they have. And it's, they've just got a big target on their back because they have all of the profit, right? It's just there. So all of these governments seem like that they're going after them, or these institutions are going after them to pay taxes and stuff like that now, right? Like, America wants different tax from them, and there's things there, and now Europe wants different tax from them. I just hope that it can get fixed, and it looks like it will, because, I mean, eventually... I think a lot of these institutions, they kind of have to give up to the fact of how much money Apple can give them if it's done right. And I think that this stuff just is like the scare tactic to bully them into actually doing mm. something. At least that's my hope because yeah. otherwise this is just going to get real I messy. Mean,
1: it wouldn't happen if Federico had been elected vice president of special business overall of Europe. That yeah. is true though. I told you.
2: Told you.
0: I, no, but I bet Federico would have those lunches with Tim, like he was going to have with the French Prime Minister, and give. What's him What's the
2: something. Italian one? Sorry, the, no,
0: sorry, the Italian Prime Minister, and give him something. You know, I know that you'd do that. That's what that's what the special is in the business.
2: There you go. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Talking about
0: <laughs> dodgy relationships, let's just talk about okay. Spotify and Apple real quick. There was okay. a Bloomberg article that came out um, earlier this week about how Spotify has been retaliating against musicians who use Apple Music exclusives by making their songs harder to find, and <laughs> they don't feature them, and they won't feature them in any of their featured playlists now. So, like, when Spotify creates those big playlists, they're not going to put their songs in there.
2: So let me understand. Spotify's strategy to go against Apple Music is to make Spotify worse by not having the songs people want to listen to? Um, okay. That,
0: Yes. In theory, like you can still find it. Like Spotify is saying they don't tamper with search results, but like anecdotal evidence is saying that these songs seem to be a bit buried. Like, this is Spotify trying to throw their weight around, right? Mm. They want to be where the exclusives are. I mean, and they still have the majority of the users, so maybe you don't want to upset them. But I think, you know, Apple has all of the money, right? They can probably offer more money to these artists than Spotify can for these timed exclusives.
2: Yeah, I, I really don't feel like this is a good strategy to to use. I mean, uh, I do understand like the personal feeling of retaliation against Apple, but from a practical point of view, from a business perspective, not featuring the songs people want to have on your service, yep. prominently in playlists or in search, it, it is stupid, honestly. It is making uh,
0: the product worse, but this yes. is what happens in these company-to-company cold wars. So the Spotify app, This came out, like, in May, right? Do you remember the Spotify app got blocked by Apple because they were trying to get people to sign up through their website instead? There has not been an update to the Spotify application since the 23rd of May. That update is still
2: blocked. I'm on the Spotify test flight, so I get to update uh, with the beta build. But yeah, on the app store, there hasn't been an
0: update. Maybe still trying to get it through, but Apple won't allow it, right? They are still blocking them. Wow. It hasn't been updated since May. Like this is the fight that they're in right now. And another thing that this I think this is way worse than like blocking Frank Ocean and and Taylor Swift. If a comp, if a, a lesser known artist uses the Beats 1 show to have their music introduced by Zane Lowe, um this is also something where these retaliatory practices will kick in. So if like a new artist gets like that Record of the Week or the World Exclusive, whatever they call it, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. World Track, World Music Track, I don't know. Wide, definitely that.
2: What, always On?
0: Always On World Music Track Exclusive. Be- beats One. Beats One. Worldwide. I wide. think that's what they call it. World,
2: yeah, that, it's a full title, like a bunch of commas and mm-hmm. all of it's these a, words. It's a complete
1: yeah. thought around music.
2: <laughs> it's a it's a complete hashtag also. I can't, and, you I know, can't
1: wait to do it.
0: Ah, <laughs> you got it! just oh, <laughs> setting that one up. <laughs> anyway so if a lesser known artist gets that thing that we just explained and they get played on beats one they will also be buried and not have their music featured so this is spotify clearly losing on all grounds of apple right like everything that they've tried to do is not working because they're not getting what they want so now they're trying to go from the bottom up they're now trying to attack the artists to try and attack apple it's a messy war and unfortunately, as always with these types of things, the people that lose out are the consumers and the people that pay for their music as Spotify. I mean, at least the stuff's not being held off, right? They're not saying it's, you can't, it's not going to be in the library, but they're just hiding it from you. This week's episode is also brought to you by Eero. These days, everything that we have in our homes require an internet connection, and that is an increasingly growing number of devices. Obviously, our phones and our computers need Wi-Fi, but also our speakers, thermostats, light bulbs, front door locks, security cameras, everything is needing them, and we're always using heavy data services now, Netflix, Hulu, Spotify, you know, even whether their music is there or not, for our home entertainment. And Wi-Fi is the foundation of all of it, but Wi-Fi is tricky, it's broken, it's messy. You know, if you were went into a room in your house and plugged your iPhone into the wall and it wasn't going to charge because the electricity connection wasn't good in that part of the house you would have somebody come out and fix that immediately because that's crazy it wouldn't happen but this is something that so many people have to deal with every day with wi-fi there are dead zones we have to sit and look at buffering for a long time because to get the best connection the best possible connection today you need to have some kind of distributed system not just one router that just produces the Wi-Fi signal for your whole house that sits in the bottom corner somewhere you need to have distributed systems so you can get the connection all over your house really easily and this is super expensive to do but not anymore, because now you have Eero. With Eero, you can install an enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system in your home in just a few minutes. This isn't just an extender. Each Eero box has two radios inside, so it keeps your connection fast, keeps everything in sync on one network name. You don't need multiple network names. It shares it all through your house. They have an iOS and Android app that will let you set it up super simply, and also so you can manage everything, and all of the updates and stuff to your system will happen overnight, which is lovely. Like They just put a new parental control feature in, which easily lets you manage different access for different family members in your home. This stuff is all put done up overnight on the system when it's not being used. So your Eero box is constantly kept up to date. Now Steven, I know that you have an Eero. Uh, what was kind of like some of the process like what's some of the benefits that you've seen?
1: It's super easy to set up, which is nice. A lot of these systems are using multiple access points. It, it requires some sort of controller or, you know, like central unit to tell them what to do. And with the Euro, it's just an iPhone app. So you set one up on your iPhone and then you go and you plug in a second one. It does a good job of telling you kind of where they should be. So our new house is sort of shaped like an L and it, you know, I put the first one up and I said, Hey, you need to be within kind of this number of feet. Uh, it's helpful if you have line of sight and it all just walks you through it in a very friendly way on the iPhone app, which is nice. And it doesn't require an ethernet drop at every place. So my old house had... Ethernet network that I put in the new house does not have that I haven't done that yet and it doesn't really matter because it uses this this wireless network to share information between the two that you don't see as the user Um, and it's just really like friendly to use that's the adjective I keep coming back to a lot of this stuff is so hard and so complicated and even Apple's own airport system to do more than one of them gets a little crazy and with Eero, that's what they're designed to do and you don't have to be a, a rocket scientist to figure it out
0: The average house in the U.S. is easily covered by two or three Eero devices. So a three-pack that they'll sell you is a really good starting point. If you live in a large space, you can add up to 10 in total. And because of Eero's 30-day money-back guarantee, you can always return one or more if your Eero's uh, don't end up needing, You don't need as many as you thought you did, right? If you buy a three-pack but you only need two, just send one of them back. 30-day money-back guarantee. Nice and simple. If you want to find out more about how to get an Eero for yourself, just go to Eero.com. That's E-E-R-O.com. And because you listen to this show, you'll get yourself free overnight shipping. Just select overnight shipping when you get to the checkout and enter the code CONNECTED and it will be applied. Thank you so much to Eero for their support of this show and RelayFM. So Apple Watch 2 rumors, Stephen, would you like to take this away?
1: Uh, I would like to take it away. So kind of building on a couple of different stories, we had one a couple of weeks ago saying that the Apple Watch 2 would come out and the Apple Watch 1, the current Apple Watch, would be upgraded somehow but stay on sale. And then this report out just uh, just a couple of days ago has some more detail about what the Apple Watch 2 bring to the table so bigger battery GPS barometer um, bigger batteries in my list twice for some reason I guess we're really excited about that bigger
0: battery bigger 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 right and the more you yeah. say it the bigger it gets
1: and it's the first um, hardware leak we've had of the Apple watch uh, these these battery components popped up online so there's theres some strategy. In play here I think it's fun to talk about because this is the first time we will have had an Apple Watch revision. Really they they've added new stuff, you know, new bands and new cases, but the first time we've had maybe a new product in this line. And it, it really seems like they're going to do the um the iPad thing. So the, you know, is this like revised Apple Watch 1 going to drop below the current prices, which as of our recording, 38 mm is 299, 42 mm is 349. Uh, will apple watch one revision special edition whatever uh will that fall below that price point so apple can get in the door cheaper and and compete more directly with fitbit in that price range um does the apple watch 2 come in more expensive and the apple watch one is there just to hold those price points like i don't know does the apple watch one become the zombie ipad 2 that never dies and you know people get sad the a5 is still around i don't know uh it's just fun to debate that strategy. So I was curious what you guys thought um about you know what we could see from a strategy perspective with the Apple Watch 2.
2: Seems like the Apple Watch 2 is gonna be the first Apple product not to get thinner on a revision. So it sounds like from the rumors we're gonna get the same design but just with more stuff inside. Which I think makes sense because I really don't need my watch to be thinner at this point, I guess. Uh I also think that having a cheaper watch. Uh, Makes sense for consumers. I don't know if it if it's the best idea in terms of app ecosystem, in terms of software performance over time. Because I mean, we're getting a bunch of nice improvements with WatchOS three, but it still remains a pretty slow device. You know, the S one, the built in uh, system on a chip, it's n- it's not gonna stand the test of time in three to four years. And I really don't want to see a repeat of the iPad two situation. So. Maybe it's just gonna be a stopgap solution, uh, you know, to have a, an Apple Watch first generation at a discounted price this year, and next year or maybe in two years, just gonna go away, and we'll have an Apple Watch two at a discounted price. So I think it makes sense for now for Apple. It makes sense for people like my mom. What you know, my mom got a but a used Apple Watch because she didn't want to pay the full price. So I think it makes total sense to have a cheaper option. I'm just afraid, you know, it's going to be a problem for apps. But then again, maybe people just don't use that many apps on the watch. So maybe people just use Apple apps and those are going to be fine with WatchOS 3. Um, I think it makes sense. I don't think we're going to see this apply to the edition model at all. Like, I don't even know if the edition is going to be available in the Apple Watch 2. Yeah.
1: I mean, they've already kind of Dried up, right? It's hard to get your right. hands on one now?
2: Right. I think it's going to be a one-off thing that Apple did for the first generation model, kind of yeah. be a collector's yeah. item.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll get right on that, adding it to the collection. Oh, no.
2: <laughs> oh God. And That's how we <laughs> said goodbye to Steven.
1: <laughs> so, Federico, you said that
0: you don't want your watch to be thinner. Um, which, and mm. I understand that. I mean, I do, but mm. but I want other things more. So, like, I, I do want it to be thinner. It could be way thinner. This thing is huge, right? Like, it could be way thinner than this. I would be very happy if it was. However, I want faster performance and therefore probably better battery. I want all of that instead. I want I... my watch to be more useful and in the same form factor. I'm fine with that. Like, I want to be less frustrated with my Apple Watch because when I'm less frustrated with it, I use it more and more and I want to keep using it more and more. There are things I want to do on it that can't be done or i try to do and they just fail too many times i want all of that stuff to be fixed and if it means that we keep the same Mm -hmm. form factor for another iteration i'm happy with that
2: you know what i'm gonna say two unpopular things that i want from the apple watch i want louder speakers so do i because
0: it's not unpopular i definitely want that because i take calls on mine it's ridiculous
2: yeah exactly hold on but i also want a camera and I'll tell you why. I don't I don't want a selfie camera. I want a camera I can point and, you know, capture things from my hand. Like I want a camera on my hand all the time. And I feel like
0: <laughs> What are you creeping?
2: No, no, not at all. Actually, for the opposite scenario. Like You're, you know, in any kind of emergency situation, you got to take a picture without taking out your phone or reaching for your phone, or you want to show something to someone in a hurry. I think having a camera always on you, not with you, but on you, could be just as important as having, you know, the SOS feature of WatchOS 3, for example. So see, I
0: I understand that, but I want a camera they can't give me. I I want a camera that's good. If they're going to put one on here... I yeah. want it to be able to take a decent picture, which it's just not going to be able to do initially. Right. Sure, the camera's I mean, going to be horrific, you know. Sure.
2: And maybe it's just going to be a FaceTime camera, but you know. That's that's why
0: I think that if they do ever put a camera on this thing, like in its first iteration, it will be a a, a selfie camera, like a FaceTime calling camera, because the camera technology will be not good to fit yeah, it into I, that agreed. package. Agreed.
1: Agreed. The the thinness is something that I only think about if I'm wearing like a long like sleeve dress shirt and it's a little bit bulky, but I think that, you know, if it comes to like thinness or band compatibility, I think I want band compatibility for another year.
0: I still think I can make it thinner and still have band compatibility though.
1: I mean, I mean to a degree, I mean, looking at the side of it, there's definitely, you know, they could taper some of the little uh, Airstream trailer uh, off the edges, but I don't know. The What's more interesting to me is the, the, potential for things like the, the gps and better battery life um you know i i don't if i go for a bike ride or a walk or something i always take my phone as well um so gps on the watch wouldn't solve the use case for me that you know someone may need to get a hold of me or i may need to get a hold of somebody especially bike riding like Accidents happen, people can get hurt, and it's important to have the ability to call somebody or call nine one one or, uh, or at the very least, like, ha- you know, someone with Find My Friends could open it and see where I am if I am, you know, late getting home or something like that, and so, so for me, the watch G- GPS doesn't solve that, but it would be nice for it to be able to track. If, if you don't care about any of that stuff, you just want to go for a run, and you want... You know, Nike Fitness or Map My Ride or Map My Run or whatever the current popular one is. Ride My Map. Ride My Map. Strava. If, if One, two, three, Run Tracker. One, two, three, Run yeah. Tracker is mm-hmm. the, by far the best Yeah, My in Run the app store. also? Yep. So that's, yeah. that's the Federico version. <laughs> yep. Wow.
2: you go out running you go out running in Gucci shoes (laughs) wow (laughs) you you were going to
1: need to call 911 at the end of that yeah like immediately Uh, so having having all of that sort of stuff on the watch is really compelling and so like I'm looking forward to it but if the only difference between the one and the two is GPS and maybe not speed you know if the speed was the same I think I'd probably skip it but I assume that the two is going to be you know drastically faster with better battery life and as good as watchOS 3 is on existing hardware, it would only be better on something um, that is is faster in and of yeah. itself. I'm really unsure about upgrading. Like, they're, like uh, I've got the stainless steel one. I like it. I'm very curious as to how they're going to sell upgrading to someone like me who, like, the GPS isn't a, a deal-breaker.
0: A faster chip is all I need to upgrade. Like, telling me the watch is going to be faster, more capable... That's that's the kind of the, the barrier to buying for me. That's that's kind of the the main thing that I wanna see. Um, like we're saying about better battery life, we don't need that, like because the battery life is great, but you need it if it gets more powerful, right? So that those two things need to go together, I think. And
2: more importantly, you need more battery if you wanna have a watch that's always on. Right? because you want to have a watch face that's on all the time, yeah. even if, even in a low-power kind of fashion like Android Wear does. You know, I'm not even
0: expecting that that's a thing that they're going to give me, but it's something I really, really want. Yeah. I, I don't think it's going to be
2: this time. I mean, so much of the appeal of wearing a watch is the fact that people are able to look at your watch face. Right? Whether you know, the design, the you know the colors. And right now you're just wearing a screen that's turned yep. off all the time. So sure people can look at the at the steel, at the at the chrome, people can can look at the bands, but looking at the watch face it's a whole other story. So if you wanna have a watch face that's always on, you're gonna need more battery. And GPS seems pretty much a given at this point. I also heard from a reader a few weeks ago, and I'm not sure if this is still the case, but apparently um at WWDC, Apple announced that even on the Watch 1, you, thanks to iOS 10 and WatchOS 3, you were able to go for a run. And even without GPS, the watch was able to track your run without having to carry the iPhone with you. And the feature was working up until beta 3, beta 4. And then according to this person, I haven't tried because I didn't have the time, the feature was removed. So my interpretation is GPS is coming to the to the Apple Watch 2, but they don't want to have the Watch 1 to kind of have a workaround for that to make the feature hmm. even more exclusive for the Watch 2. Hmm. I don't know if this person was correct. I don't know if the feature came back. But this person was really upset because he told me uh, this was one of the best features of Watch OS 3 and iOS 10, and now it's gone because I assume Apple wants to make it exclusive to the Watch 2 with native GPS.
0: Well, they will enjoy the Watch 2 a lot then against this person it
2: it was really i mean it's it's a great feature you know to to, if if you're a runner i can imagine you go out with your watch you sing some music you don't have to carry your iphone on an R band with you and i mean it, it does sound convenient honestly i would be very upset if the bands
0: don't work with the new watch that would be i don't think they're gonna do that i think it'd be crazy but i'd be very upset
2: no bands are the new lightning connector they gotta Stay compatible for several years. You know? I
0: agree with that, and I think, especially if you if you're going to be introducing them regularly with the intention for people to build up a collection, like, yep. then people are still going to buy them anyway. You don't need to obsolete them. Um, so I hope that's the case. My only real concern now, um, and this is something that Jason mentioned on upgrade, is the idea of like if they just keep the sport as the watch one, and then the mm-hmm. watch two. Is the other models? Yeah, So the sport sense. is the cheap one. But then what if I can only buy stainless steel, which I don't like? That would be that would be upsetting
2: to me. What would you what do you mean? I, I don't follow.
0: So let's say they kept the sport around as okay. the cheap one and so didn't they will. make a new sport model. And maybe they made it another stainless steel model which was the watch too.
1: No, I, I don't think I, I I agree that the if the Apple Watch 1 stays around it would only be in the aluminum but I think that the aluminum is is I mean it's got to be the most popular one by far so I don't see them leaving that behind I think mm. that Apple Watch 2 so. would also be in aluminum and I mean when the iPad 2 stayed around it looked more or less like the iPad 3 and 4 right like those the I don't yeah. think that's new territory for them to break into so I, I- completely hope that you're correct I don't think your concern is, is uh something that you should stay up at night ever. Okay, thank you. <laughs> sleep, sleep, sleep well, my friend. I can now. Now I can sleep easy.
0: Uh, somebody wrote in Rob asked um and said, Do you think that Apple will sell Apple Watch two without a band or bracelet for people that already have uh, already have bought bands? What do you think?
2: I don't know, so or maybe you can you could sell it without a band for people who want to use it as a necklace, I guess. No, but like people that already have the bands, right? We have. A I, bunch think, of bands. I think. I think. I think it makes sense, but it seems unapple in the in the implementation kind of. Yeah, I mean, Apple it would be kind of maybe not though, because it would be kind of like a Mac Mini. You just buy the computer, <laughs> quote unquote. Uh, I mean, in 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 a good way, not in terms of updates, but uh, like the Mac Mini in the sense that you just buy the 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 the, the CPU that you know the, the thing, and then you gotta connect all of the different accessories. I don't think it's too absurd. It'd just be weird to buy a watch without bands. I mean, yeah. think about how weird it would look on the box, like just yeah, a screen, I, just a square. <laughs> I, d- I, don't know. I don't
1: see them. Um, I mean, I see what the question is getting to, but I think they're gonna sell it with with bands for everyone. Um, and, you know, and honestly, like you know, I bought mine my stainless steel with the black sport band, and I've bought several since then, like the white sport band, which is my favorite. It's kind of grungy and gross, and I actually have a little nick in it. So like, if I had to buy it with a watch band again, I'd probably do it with the white one, so I can like refresh that one and retire the old one.
0: Yeah, I I don't think they're going to do this, but I just I thought it was an interesting full uh, experiment, at least.
2: So we're expecting the Apple Watch 2 to uh, be announced uh, next week. Mm-hmm. Come out in October, let's say, yep. uh, alongside Watch OS 3, maybe. Uh, and then... So we're in 2016, we're going to see a new Apple Watch in 2018. That's the idea, every two years? Maybe. I think so. I mean, what, what what kind of schedule does the Apple Watch have?
0: Well, I think the initial schedule was skewed because they announced it kind of off right. kilter and then they released it at a weird point and then they had to go around a little bit longer. It's like the iPad Pros are going to be like this, right? They were in, like They were debuted in September and they won't get updated until like... March right. right like so I, I think that it's going to be that kind of thing I think they might go yearly with it maybe to, at least initially whilst there's still a bunch of stuff that they can add on a relatively quick cycle you know maybe
2: we'll see.
1: Stephen you have a
0: dilemma is what our document says
1: it is true so my my wife is on her her second Fitbit HR which they actually just just announced the replacement for uh yesterday It's the Fitbit. It's got the heart rate sensor, got the little screen in it. Um, And she has had uh, the first one failed. It would stop syncing and basically I would act crazy. Um, It would lose time and add time and just like vibrate endlessly. And so uh, I connected Fitbit. They replaced it. No questions asked. And her second one is starting to show the same symptoms of what I have dubbed Fitbit madness, where they just um, start to lose their minds a little bit. And so she's frustrated with it, uh, which is understandable. And I suggested to her, I was like, well, you know, maybe we replace it um, with an Apple Watch. Because she really likes that the Fitbit HR shows you who's calling. So if her phone is in her bag or, you know, somewhere else in the house, she can see who's who's calling. And she likes that. And um, she liked the idea of being able to see iMessages the same way. And so she... Uh, is it's pretty interested in the the 38 millimeter Sport Apple Watch. And now's a really terrible time to buy, probably, unless the old Apple Watch stays around. And you see these things going on sale. So Apple dropped the price a while, a while back. Um, earlier this week, I think still Best Buy has them for like $60 less than Apple's list price. Uh, Best Buy does this sometimes to bring people in the store and s- sell you their fancy warranty, but... Uh, it's tempting there as well. She doesn't really care about GPS. We we talked through that, and she has the same concerns that I do, that you can't make a phone call still. Um, there's no way to like really know, I don't think, unless they're doing something crazy that I can't foresee. This is going to be part of Find My, my Friends, that, that is still all tied to the iPhone because it has a data connection. And so she has the same concerns I do, that GPS isn't quite enough for her to leave her phone behind on a run. And... um and so she's not particularly interested in GPS either. And so I've been debating, you know, do I do I wait and see, which is what I'm going to do. I mean, it's not really a real debate. I'm going to wait and see what, what Apple does. And if the uh, watch one comes down in price or they replace it, if they replace it, then uh, surely something else, um, you know, somebody else like Best Buy or somebody else will take even more off and I'll just get a one on sale if that's what she wants. But I just found it interesting that after two years um, – she has uh, started thinking about it right, right at the time of of uh, potential new watches, and so I, I will be watching what they do with the old ones um, very keenly and seeing if they will do anything with the old ones. Uh, I really think they're going to come down in price. I think they've got to compete with the hundred ninety nine dollar, you know, Fitbit area, and uh, if that means buying a old watch, then I think that's fine for a lot of people. So I guess we'll see. It's a, a pseudo dilemma. Really, not not a real dilemma.
0: Yeah, and the same kind of thing. I and I don't know what it would take Adina to upgrade hers. Like I don't know if she has any interest of in doing it really, and I don't think that any of the features that I want she would care about enough to actually change it.
1: Yeah, because if if you're not using a lot of apps, if you're using it for fitness tracking, and you're using it for for like incoming notifications
0: and having your calendar on your watch face kind yeah, of stuff, you know,
1: the speed isn't that big of a deal. Like I I have I have gotten even. Less angsty about the speed because I've just stopped using apps on it. Like, um, it is for notifications and fitness, and it's fine for that.
0: And watch OS three is probably going to make it a lot better.
1: Yeah, and that's a, that's the other that's the other side of this coin, right? That um, watch OS three on existing hardware is faster, and does it cross that threshold into like acceptable usage? Uh, it may, and it definitely for somebody who is not going to use it heavily. Then I think it would definitely be more than fine. Like, I, what I think is going to happen is Watch OS three is going to extend the life of the original, the original Apple Watch, not make it shorter. Right? People complain that new iOS updates run slower on older hardware, and that's true sometimes, and that sort of forces them to update. Right? So, iOS seven comes out, and everybody with the iPhone three GS or whatever has to update. <laughs> um, definitely happens. I think the opposite is going to happen here where the watch one is so much better. All of a sudden on watch os three, then people will, um, be happy just to update their software and get another year out of it. And you know, that it's an interesting change, but something that I think will satisfy a lot of people for another 12 or 18 months. Should we take a break? Let's take a break. This week's episode is also brought to you
0: by Pingdom. You can start monitoring your websites today at pingdom.com slash connected, and you'll get a 14-day free trial. And when you enter the offer code connected at checkout, you'll also get 20% off your first invoice. Pingdom is all about making the web faster and more reliable for anybody who has a website. They do this by offering powerful and easy-to-use tools and services that will monitor the availability of the performance as well of your server, database, or website, and they will make sure that it stays up and that it's running nice sweetly. Pingdom takes care of all of this by using more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every single minute. This is how Pingdom detect around 13 million outages a month, which is more than 400,000 every single day. Stuff breaks on the internet all the time. You need Pingdom to be there to watch it for you and just take care and give you that polite little nudge if something breaks. And this isn't just your website going down. This could be maybe your contact form or your e-commerce login or checkouts and all that sort of stuff. Maybe search functionality. Any of these things can be independently monitored by Pingdom, because sometimes it isn't just the fact that your whole website might go down. It might just be that people can't check out with your commerce, and that means you're not making any money. Pingdom can monitor all of these things. You just need to give Pingdom the URLs you wish to monitor. They'll take care of the rest. You'll be notified immediately when there is an outage, so you can fix that downtime before the error affects you. You don't want to be caught out when somebody wants to access your site. So you need Pingdom. Check it out today. You'll be the first to know when there's a problem. Go to Pingdom.com slash connected for a 14-day free trial and use the code connected at checkout to get yourself a lovely 20% off. Thank you so much to Pingdom for their continued support of this show of Relay FM and also for letting us know that our site's running nice and sweetly, which it does every week with its little email and it makes me feel very happy when I see that it was all fine. everybody everybody did a good job and it's like a little pat on the back from Pingdom so even if things don't go down you'll get a little pat on the back every week when you've done it right and that's a nice little incentive to keep working thank you Pingdom Mark Gurman has been on fire recently um, Mm. posting many 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 things and uh, he surprised us all yesterday with some news about the refreshments, the upcoming refreshments to the Mac lineup and the iPad lineup Mm. as well so I wanna break this down into the two different sections that Mark touched on. We'll start off with the iPad. Um it starts off with and Federico, I know this is uh this is important to you. Apple may roll out the new iPad software features. So mm-hmm. this may increased uh, iPad software, it doesn't give any details on what they might be, really. Uh, as part of an upgrade to the iOS ten operating system in the first half of twenty seventeen, or save the enhancements for the next major iOS version later in the year. Yeah. I say spring or get the fudge out. That's how I feel. If we don't yeah. get these, feet, if we have to wait until September for this stuff, I will be a very unhappy bunny.
2: I mean, last time I heard the plan was to, and I wrote this on my stories, the plan was to kind of split up iOS 10 in iPhone stuff in September and iPad stuff in the spring. And it seems like German heard the same thing, but he, he has the addition of, which seems like maybe a backup, you know, one of those backup plans that you gotta have in an article like this hedging your bets you
0: could say exactly
2: if it doesn't come out next spring it's gonna be in ios 11 uh but it's definitely uh, at least some pockets of people within apple have shared you know uh with other people not just me but i'm pretty sure jason heard the same uh that that was the plan to kind of have iphone in september and give more time to engineers and designers to work on iPad stuff for spring to make it, you know, coincide with the with the, with an iPad event, with new iPads, and maybe with like last year, maybe there could be a reveal of uh, iOS 10.2, 10.3 uh, in January to have like an open beta so developers can adapt, and then have a public reveal and public launch in March or April. I think it makes sense. But Gurman doesn't go into the details really of what these uh, software features for the iPad could be. I mean, it does mention the Apple Pencil, which I know, Mike, you have a few thoughts on.
0: The planned iPad update will include improvements to the Apple Pencil, a handwriting and drawing style aimed at professionals, according to one of the people. Apple has considered allowing users to annotate objects in many applications across the whole operating system, including in Mail, Safari, iMessage, similar to what Samsung offers on its Note smartphones, the person said. Currently, Apple only supports pencil functionality in specifically developed apps. I do have lots of thoughts on this. I think that this and the early testing of this and the attempted implementation of this is what broke pencil input um in the previous betas in the what what beta was that it was iOS 9 wasn't it um so this was or was it released versions no, 9.9.3 9.3 the betas for 9.3 thank you federico um and that eventually came back apple said they were working on some stuff and that's why and now it's you know blah 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 so i don't think that this additional feature would stop the input that we that i've been using and many of us use because i don't think they want to get into that again Uh, I think that there's two likelihoods here. I think the least likely would be that there is some kind of software button that you hit in the uh, the OS. This could maybe be in Control Center, or I thought that maybe it could be in the split view, like you slide over to split view, you hit this button, and it freezes the UI, and you're then able to draw on it or take notes on it, that kind of thing. But what I actually think it's going to be is a new pencil which has a button on it. And when you hit that button, you can mark up whatever's on the screen. And the reason I think this is because it allows Apple to sell more pencils to the next upgrades of the iPad, and it will keep that ASP up. I think there's going to be all new functions. I think we're going to see a smart keyboard with the function row, not the touchscreen one, but just like a general function row. So I think with every update, there will be new peripherals, like updates to the peripherals as well, because it keeps the ASP up. I think that's what Apple care about. Because if they had the same pencil and the same keyboard, I'm just buying the iPad. And I think they want everyone to buy a whole new suite of products every single time. Am I crazy? It could
2: be. No, it could be. I mean, they could even justify the new pencil model with, I don't know, reduced latency, you know, like a better recognition of touches, whatever, better Mm -hmm. pressure sensitivity. They could bundle up other features in addition to, you know, special market mode it just I I do I do wonder if Apple is institutionally against the idea of having a button on a pencil, uh, if only because of that beautiful white polished design. Well, I I mean, it could be
0: on the top. It could you know, and, and it wouldn't really but change it's much.
2: Definitely interesting when you consider that Apple has been has been uh, you know uh, prototyping different versions versions of the pencil, one with their eraser. They definitely played around with uh, with an iPad uh, cover with a pencil holder. So that the, there's been a lot of tests within Apple to to kind of have to kind of reimagine the idea of a pencil and to kind of make it more part of the iPad with more versatility over the past few years and i think it'll be interesting to see kind of what apple lands on for the next ipad pro and the next apple pencil if they think maybe having a button at this point is is as you know a safe uh, you know it's the good idea uh, I think it makes sense I think it makes sense to have special uh, annotation modes in different apps uh, especially when, when you consider that the iPad is being used you know more and more in the enter- in the enterprise to be able to mark up PDFs to be able to mark up Safari web pages and to kind of move more um, you know, naturally between touch input and pencil input with the special mode, I think it makes sense. But I also want to see more integration between um, the way that you carry the iPad around, because right now it's already fragmented, right? You got to put the iPad with the smart cover, then you got to remember the pencil. There's a risk that you're going to use the pencil tip, you're going to use the pencil cap. I think there, there needs to be a better way to carry the pencil around. And I also do wonder, this is unrelated to the pencil, uh, but I also do wonder if eventually we're going to have some kind of 3D touch on the iPad Pro. Because uh, German doesn't mention 3D touch at all. He mentions uh, faster displays, which to me sounds like maybe we're going to get a resolution bump and maybe we're going to get, uh, like I said, reduced latency. Because when he mentions faster displays, it means uh, there's going, the, the pencil performance is going to be even better than it is right now. So that sounds great. But will we ever get 3D touch? Now, I, uh, you know, I've heard from... Quite a few people that that were, you know, all kinds of iPad prototypes with 3D touch. But the main question is, um, uh, it's a problem of ergonomics, really. How do you apply pressure on an iPad on a smart cover without risking of making it fall over the table? Uh, And there's all kinds of, you know, differences between the iPhone and the iPad. It's the same reason why. Uh, even if technically race to wake in iOS ten could have worked on the iPad, it doesn't really much sen- make much sense because how do you race an iPad on a desk to turn it on? So there are these ergonomical differences between the iPhone and the iPad when you gotta keep in mind, and and I think it especially makes sense for the for three D touch to have this kind of you know drawing a line on the sand and saying okay three D touch is iPhone only. But as we're seeing with iOS ten there's going to be a lot more features dependent or at least made better by 3D Touch. So the, the fact that you don't have those features on the iPad kind of makes this, the experience worse because mm-hmm. you can 3D Touch on Control Center when you cannot do the same on the iPad. You can 3D Touch notifications on the phone while you cannot do the same on the iPad, you got to swipe. And I know, Mike, that you, you're no fan of the swipe to expand notifications. Don't like so, it. Exactly. So eventually there there has to be some kind of way to replicate 3D touch on the iPad. And a few people say, well, that's going to be pressure sensitivity with the pencil. Well, it doesn't really, it's not an optimal solution because the pencil, again, is going to be something that you use to annotate, to draw. uh, Because you got to understand, Mike, that you and CGP Grey, I think are in the minority of people who use the pencil for navigation. I totally understand what you do, but I don't think it's the, you know, the majority of people use a pencil that way. So I, I I wonder. Basically, I wonder. That's what I do. I sit down and wonder. <laughs> well, I just
0: want to touch on why you said it, minority. I agree, but we are a vocal minority.
2: Yes, you are. Yes, you are. As we've seen, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Very vocal. Yeah,
0: I, I agree with you. There's got to be something there, but I don't know what it is. Um, there's also a rumor, and we haven't mentioned this yet until now, but German's now talking about it, um and it's I don't think it's coming from the same sources he's he's uh quoting is it Ming I can't say is it Mingji Kuo I'm Ming, gonna go with
2: Maybe Ming Chi Kuo, I Ming Ji it-
0: Kuo, I think, and he was... what is who does he write for? He's an analyst, right? Ming an Ming Kuo I'm gonna go with. Um and he uh, they have spoken about a ten point five inch iPad Pro as a rumour. And I've been thinking about this, like, why would they do a 10.5-inch iPad Pro? Like, So we have a 9.7, a 10.5, and a 12.9? That's insane. So I've been yeah. thinking about this, and the, the way that I've settled upon this is that the 9.7 is kept for the Air model going forward, and 10.5 and 12.9 become the Pro sizes. So they actually have two sizes of Pro, they have the regular one and the Mini, and the reason I think they might do this is 10.5 inches, whilst it's not a lot bigger, um, it will allow for bigger keyboards, software, and hardware, which would be nicer. And just that little bit more extra space on the screen for split view and stuff like that. So 10.5, 12.9, okay. And I think they won't do a 9.7 anymore. Federica, what do you think?
2: I don't think the 9.7 format, uh, or, you know, it's going to stay on the Pro line. I think going slightly bigger. Or the small Pro makes more sense uh, again, especially when you consider split view and mm-hmm. you know the, the software keyboard with the shortcut bar. It having just a little more more space helps. I I, I don't know if the iPad Mini is gonna stay around honestly uh, because it feels like uh, it's it's really being cannibalized by the the bigger iPhones and the it seems like the the iPad is moving more towards a uh, kind of pro at least prosumer if you will, uh, kind of scenario. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know about that. I, mean, I think this too, but then I also think to myself, there's probably also a strong chance that the iPad mini is the, far, the biggest selling iPad. Like, I agree with you. That's how I feel. Like, Adina has an iPad mini, and I think it's ridiculous. Like, it's, it's basically the size of the phone, but she loves it. And I really wonder, because it's the cheapest, and it's small, and it's probably really easy for kids. Steven, is that right?
1: Yeah. I mean, we've got a, a mini that the kids use and it's, it's nice for that. My big problem with the, the theory is, are you going to strand, like is the 9.7 pro that we have now, is that just going to be stranded in time? Like the the yeah. one, and that's sort of weird, right? Cause they made such a huge deal when they announced it that 9.7 is the ideal size for an iPad. So we had to bring the pro features to this size. Um, you know, and, and it's not like they haven't done three sizes of stuff. Like they had twelve, fifteen, and seventeen-inch PowerBooks, but ten point five and nine point seven are really close. I, so I don't I think, think
0: you'd be able to pick them out. Like
1: <laughs> no, and and, and maybe maybe those size differences are inherently more noticeable on the iPad than they were on the PowerBooks because of the touch deal, right? <laughs> You're touching the glass the whole time, so it, any additional size feels feels better. Um, but I kind of think this whole thing comes down to like there's some sort of weird misunderstanding in the supply chain and this rumor, and I don't, I just don't know if they're going to do it. Um, that said, like, you know, I went from the twelve point nine to the nine point seven, and I said on Mac Power Users um, a couple weeks ago that like I could kind of get behind an iPad that's Pro in between the two sizes, but it seems like it's awfully messy if they're going to do all three. It seems like it's messy if the Pro gets a little bit bigger and then the 9.7 becomes the air three or I think more likely the 9.7 would go away. Yeah. But then, but it's so like, there's a lot of weirdness in there. I don't think there's any, um, I don't think there's any clean way this gets done, but, uh, you know, who knows? It just seems right now I write it off as like some numbers got weird somewhere or somebody measured the back case and not the screen or like something is, is off somewhere in this, uh, in this story. Let's talk about the Mac. I remember that.
0: Hello, Macintosh. Uh, updates coming as soon as October, is what, what was being said uh, by German. A part of the line, so he's talking about a big line refresh, and he mentions new iMacs with USB-C and the option to have better uh, AMD graphics chips. Mm-hmm. Um, mentions the MacBook Pro, which we'll get to in a moment, but also a USB-C MacBook Air. Uh, Shocking.
1: What? what, uh, what, <laughs> I don't understand. So my only, my only thought about why the MacBook Air may still be alive is, it, so, so the thought was the MacBook Pro is going to get so much thinner and lighter. It's going to kind of be like a MacBook Air. And so the MacBook Air doesn't need to exist anymore. If the the current thinking I think is that the MacBook Pro, this new one is not going to be tapered. It's going to be a little thinner and a little bit lighter, but it's not really going to be in MacBook Air territory yet. And so if you really want it thin and light, you're stuck with the MacBook, which is running the Core M5 you know processor, the, the much slower processor. With the MacBook Air, you can get in an i5 or an i7. You get a loaded MacBook Air, speed-wise, it's a pretty good machine. And removing the MacBook Air would leave a gap in between. And I think that the MacBook Air is extremely popular. I see, them, I see MacBook Air is just everywhere, it seems. And to remove it without having something that really fits the the spot in the lineup that it held may be a little weird. And so my thought is now that the MacBook Pro is and the MacBook Air will kind of keep the same relationship they've always had. Yes, the Air is thinner and lighter, but still really powerful. The MacBook is like if you want thin and light and don't care about anything else. And the MacBook Pro is I need all the power I can get to go. And so I think the relationship between the three will st- stick around. I do think that if they update it to USBC, that that's got to be the last one. Like I think that that we are getting much closer to the end of the MapRera's life than, than the beginning of it. But maybe the end is just not here um, quite yet. And what's interesting, as we've been recording, actually, this just popped up. Um, there's a, a, a link over on the Verge's in the show notes. Intel's announced Kirby Lake, which is the successor to Skylake, which is the CPU family that Apple more or less skipped. Um, what we've been waiting on are Skylake MacBook Pros. And now if they announce Skylake MacBook Pros, I'm going to be really sad because now, uh, what is it? Uh, KB, Kaby, K-A-B-Y, um, KB Lake is out. So maybe they're going to go with this instead of the Skylake. Maybe they're skipping Skylake completely. Uh, who knows? I will leave the processor talk to ATP. They do a really good job at breaking down the differences and why we should care? It's all a little bit over my head, but clearly it's time, right? The, it is. It is time. I don't think we're going to see Mac shipping before Sierra. We're going to get to that in a minute with the MacBook Pro. But at, so, so, what do they do? I guess that's the question, right? Do they announce MacBooks Pros and iMacs and whatever at the event and say, "Hey, they're going to be shipping in four weeks with Sierra." They could totally do that. There's a long history of that. Apple saying we got new Macs going to ship next month. They've done it for years and years and years. And I think that if Apple's only going to have one event, they should do it in the event. Um, especially the MacBook Pro. If it's going to get the overhaul that everyone says it's going to get, it' is a little too big for press, like you know, individual press meetings. So like they'll invite somebody like Jason down, and they'll show him the machine. And he gets to write about it at an embargo, and so does the Verge and Engadget and everybody else. If the MacBook Pro has all these new features, why not give it stage time? It's your most popular computer. Um, it's the one that there's a lot of pent-up demand for. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it is wild to me. The number of people I know in the creative space that are not even nerds. Like, they don't listen to this show, but they, they make video or they or they're photographers. Like, they work... And they all need new MacBook Pros, and they've all been waiting for new MacBook Pros. I talked to a guy this uh, this past week. He's running a mid 2010 MacBook Pro, and he's like, "I was going to update this year, and they never came out." And so he's just waiting. Like, there is demand for these things, so why not give the people what they want? Even if it's not shipping today, that's fine. Say, so, hey, you can put your preorders in, or you know, you know, the end of the month they're going to they're going to ship in these configs and these prices. And I don't know, it's exhausting they're, waiting for I mean- a new MacBook Pro.
2: I don't follow Mac stuff, but from my perspective, it, especially if, it's, uh, if it's this new computer has a programmable uh, keyboard row, to give an embargo to the press and to let the press know that there's a, an SDK addic- uh, addition that developers got to yes. work with, it's yes. weird. And b- just because there's a programmable keyboard row and developers need to update their apps to take advantage of those functions... It makes total sense to me to have even, you know, like 20 minutes on stage, Apple goes out, shows his new computer, says, and by the way, developers, you can now check the Sierra pre-release docs because there's an API to take advantage of the function row. And -hmm. just like they did with the MacBook and Force Touch, 20 minutes on stage, there's a developer SDK, go out, check it out, but it comes from Apple on stage. It doesn't come from, and you know... Total respect, but it doesn't come from Jesus Nell on Six Colors that says, oh, by the way, there's an SDK, you should go check it out. You know, it just seems odd to have the, you know, you could call it like a developer feature and to have bloggers and the tech press take care of that. I don't know. Doesn't sit right with me.
0: But more than that, even like just from a fundamental level, you're making a big change to a product line. You're adding yeah. this new feature that's exactly. never existed before.
2: Exactly. I mean, it, I don't know. It makes total sense to me to uh, have I'm, it on
0: stage. I'm like going against the like, yeah, everybody's saying it's not happening, it's not happening. I just think they're not shipping till October. Like, I yeah. think they're gonna have them on stage next week. I do want to go back real quick to the MacBook Air because putting USB-C on it. Will they put a Retina screen in it? No. They're going to ship new Macs without retina screens in them in
1: 2016? I think that the MacBook Air is the, um, is the cheap one. So why? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't see him doing it. I think that muddies the water a little bit. Um, it's some real-time follow-up real quick. Uh, this is the problem when you talk about things that are happening as you record. It seems like the Intel announcement may just be for low-powered stuff. So only for something that would be like in the MacBook. These chips may not be... Um, available for the MacBook Pro class machine yet? Yeah, aimed at
0: laptops and two in ones.
1: Yeah, so uh, Apple's not doing any of that stuff except in the MacBook. So all that aside, right? The the conversation of like what's going on with the Mac line has lots of of open threads right now, and Apple needs to take time, not only to release new products, but I think there is a genuine concern on the part of Mac enthusiasts, and I know that I'm the only one here. Um, Yo, what's up? Hey. <laughs> That that they're still paying attention, right? Because you know you had all this this noise around the MacBook. You had that great article, um, I think it was in Mashable, with with Phil Schiller and all these hardware people, like about the MacBook. Like we designed the antennas to like work around the speakers, and like we did all this cross um, cross team, you know, cross uh, knowledge type stuff to build the best computer we could build, and that was great. And there's been nothing since, and I think. There was some excitement around that machine. There was excitement around the Retina iMac two years ago. I still uh, want one. But it's been really quiet for a long time. And I have no doubt the Apple, like, I, I truly believe the Mac is still important to Apple. I think it's especially important to somebody like Phil Schiller. It seems like that's his his sort of um, first love a little bit. Like, you're not supposed to have a favorite child, but he kind of secretly does, it, it seems. I don't think the Mac is, is going out to pasture anytime soon, but I think there are people who sort of feel like that may be true or or feel that, you know, they make their... Like, I, I feel this way a little bit. Like, I make my living on the Mac. Mike, you do too, really. Um,
2: yeah,
0: dude, the, you know, the Mac is important to me. Like, yeah. But it's just not my preferred operating system. It's not my preferred platform, but it's the one that, like, I hate to say this, like, I'm stuck with it.
2: Yeah, high now. praise from Mike.
0: <laughs> I I like it, but like I wish I could do everything on the machines that I like most. But right now, like I don't want to do that. Like I've spoken about it this many times. So mm-hmm. I'm stuck with the Mac. So whilst I'm stuck with it, I want the best stuff that I can get.
1: Sure. And and I think uh there are people who feel that way, there are people who like me, like I I make my living on it. It it is my preferred OS still. And I feel like I've been left out to dry a little bit. Um, not that the machine I have isn't fine. Like I've got a current MacBook pro. It's great, but it's like the interest has waned. It feels like, and I don't think that's the case. And the needs to correct that perception. Um, real quick though, we should talk about the MacBook pro because German brings up the OLED touch sensitive function key bar yeah. row. He has a name for it yeah. uh, that a dynamic function row, which definitely sounds like an Apple product name. Um, which is unusual for German. Like, usually product names and stuff are very tight-lipped. Maybe this is just the, what it's kind of called internally, and it'll be called, you know, Magic Touch. Something. I think if it doesn't have magic in it, i will be
0: very He's surprised.
2: Magic. Yeah. Either, either Magic Touch or, I don't know. Magic yeah. Row. I don't know. Magic One, two, three, Row. Magic Row. <laughs> magic row. Rainbow the Road. Rainbow Road. <laughs> oh, no, 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 guys, I got it. The Smart Row. Uh, yeah.
1: Smart Row. Smart smart whatever row. it's called. Uh, the smart name is magic. probably internal. He he has sort of what he talks about has been my biggest fear, and I've written a couple of times about it. You can go read it. That the the thing is going to change modes based on the app you're in, and the example he gives is particularly troubling to me. That if you're on the desktop, you see brightness and volume, but if you're in Safari, you would get you know find and iMovie would show you know clips for cutting. More precise, sliders, that sort of thing. Um, My big question around all this, I I think Apple's definitely going to do application function keys. My question is, are they going to open up to third parties? I think they will. Yeah. I think they have to to get buy-in, right? If it's just Apple software, then what's the point? But my bigger question is, like, how... Is it going to be distracting, right? If I'm command-tabbing between uh, Final Cut Pro and Finder back and forth, which I find myself doing, or between Logic... And finders which I find myself doing several times a week. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be distracting that things under my fingertips, sort of in the, the lower corner of my vision, are changing? And I have no doubt that Apple's doing this. I just wonder how weird it's going to be to get used to it. And, like, for me, so I use a MacBook Pro, a 15-inch, and here where I record, it's on a stand open to the left of my display. But at home, Mm -hmm. it's in clamshell mode, tucked behind my Thunderbolt display. So I'm not even going to get the benefits of it because I don't type at my MacBook Pro's keyboard unless I'm out and about somewhere. And so, like, all this stuff is great, but if my MacBook Pro is on a stand to the left of my display, I'm not going to reach up and, like, I don't think, unless it's really, really good, um, to, like, make cuts and stuff. Because I can do it with the keyboard shortcuts that are already under my fingertips. Yeah. So I just wonder how distracting is going to be how weird it's going to be to get used to and then how useful it's going to be to Mm -hmm. someone like me who uses a macbook pro basically like a desktop and that just puts aside everyone like mike who uses a true desktop with the either the apple hardware keyboard or a third party keyboard like this stuff's going to be really locked away to a subset of users and that's going to limit its adoption so if the macbook air is getting revised with USB-C, does it get this like does apple try to spread this out quickly there's lots of questions and no answers and i'm hoping that apple puts it all to rest very soon
2: all right so let me let me say what i think here Uh, okay i I feel like most people are way overthinking this i think the dynamic row is going to be based on the similar idea of the shortcut bar on the ipad so you know how on top of the software keyboard you got those extra icons for the developers can program. It's gonna be the same principle, I think. There's going to be some fixed buttons for like on iOS you got copy and paste. They're always in the same spot. They're always there. It's gonna be the same on on, on macOS. You always get like the volume, the brightness, like the, the the system stuff is always gonna be there. Then developers are gonna have an API, something like UI text input uh, on iOS. They they can define what what's it called like a like um. Uh, UI bar button item with the UI text input assistant stuff from iOS 9. It's basically going to be the same. They can define uh, some shortcuts that appear when their app opens and text input is active. And it's not going to be distracting because it's the same as iOS. Depending on the app that you're using, you get different shortcuts. And I think it's awesome because... There's a bunch of stuff on my Mac keyboard. I mean I don't use a Mac but when I look at it I mean w- why do I need to have launchpad? Why do I need to uh, do, to waste all of these buttons when <laughs> no
1: I'm... one is launchpad? Exactly
2: and it goes back to the Steve Jobs you know uh, introduction of the keyboard uh, physical keyboards are great but for some functions it's better to customize them with software and I think it's going to be a similar idea to the implementation implementation on iOS uh, 9 and the iPad. And it's going to be nice. And it's going to be fancier because, you know, it's a Mac. Maybe it's going it's to have colors. It's going to have animations well, for, like, <laughs> sliders, I imagine. I don't know. But it yeah. could be possible.
1: It, it's, I think part of the reason this is so captivating, even to you who will probably never use it, is that it's something, like, new to the Mac that's... I agree with you. They're going. They, I think they can borrow a lot from iOS, and iOS does it well. But it's not like Linen... Right, like when they put linen all over everything in line and broke full-screen mode. like That came from iOS, but different than this. This is something new, something innovative, hopefully. And uh, I think that's why everyone is so worked up about it. But I, I want to see an action. Um, I-, I do have you know, plans to-, to purchase a new MacBook Pro, go back to the 13-inch. Um, but I want to see Apple build the case for this thing being useful and the adoption curve is going to probably hurt that, right? You see the same thing on iOS. Apple does something new like Force Touch. It's only on two models of phone. And it takes some time for that to kind of trickle down, if I can borrow a phrase, and and spread out to everybody. And this will be the same thing. But um, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Um, the, the thing that he wraps up with, really caught my eyes is that Apple's working with LG to create a new 5K standalone display. And... There's been a lot of argument back and forth that USB-C slash Thunderbolt 3, um, which real quickly, the MacBook has USB-C, but does not have Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt 3 and USB-C can be bundled over the same connector, over the same wire, um, if the chipset supports it. So the the core M that's in the MacBook does not. Assumedly, whatever is in the MacBook Air and MacBook Pro would support USB-C and Thunderbolt 3 over the same connector. That's, I think really confusing to people. I think they maybe should have collapsed that further into one standard, maybe they will in the future. But if it can be driven over a cable or maybe over two cables, then if this standalone 5K monitor whenever it shows up, like um I'm I'm sold. <laughs> I really want external retina. I've gone back and forth a lot over the last year we've talked about it on the show. Talked about the two of you privately. Of do I do a Retina iMac at home, and then have like a MacBook Air or a MacBook even for when I'm out and about? And what I keep coming back to is that I don't want two machines. That I want one machine, a powerful MacBook Pro, so I can have all my stuff with me all the time. I can have all the power with me all the time, and a really nice external setup. So at home, I use a Thunderbolt display, rest in peace. And it would be nice to have Retina there. So lots of potential ways to spend my money this fall. Um, and uh, I hope that Apple is uh, going to give us some ways to do that. It's saving up time, everybody. It is. It is that time of year. It really stinks because right for WWDC, you start saving, uh, you know, you spend all your money in San Francisco and then you got start saving again for uh, new phones. And At least everything. they're not going to do iPads as well. This that's year. true. And, you know, that's when you guys were talking about that, I had that thought. Like, it does kind of break up the purchase cycle a little bit. And I think that having them in the spring is also good for education, Um if it's early enough in the spring, so I think that um, you know the days. What was it? Was it two or three years ago? We've done the show for so long; I can't even keep track. Two or three years ago, where like there were no product releases until the fall. Um, well, it's like that kind of last year as well. I remember like yeah, in the last few were, months of
0: the year, I bought an iPhone and an iPad and an iMac. It was horrible. Yeah, and it may
1: have been. It may have been three years ago, and it was. It, I think it was the first time that it was really noticeable. And we we're like does Apple still make products? Like, yeah. did, did they have they stopped? Did, did something happen and they can't release new things? Um, and so the iPad moving to the spring definitely helps that, you know, the people, who, those of us who have the vice of buying new phones every year.
0: If you want to find our show notes for this week, head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 106. Federico is online at maxstories.net and at Vitici on Twitter, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Steven is at 512pixels.net and he is at ISMH. I am at iMike, I M Y K E. I want to thank everybody that became a Relay FM member in the last couple of weeks. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you are a member, there are still a few more bonus shows to come out. Um, I put out a huge Reconcilable Differences today with uh, John Roderick joining the cast for the three of them. It's very fun. So if you're a Relay FM member, you can get those shows. You can go to Relay.FM membership to find out more. Um, And uh, I want to thank again our sponsors for this week's episode, the great folk over at Pingdom, Eero, and FreshBooks. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we will be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, guys.
1: Arrivederci. Adios.